Welcome to episode 11 of the Burning Bush podcast, where we share the message of the Bible while enjoying a good cigar. And this week I am smoking the Brick House by J.C. Newman Maduro. I'm smoking the Toro size, which is a 6x52. So let me go to the J.C. Newman website and read first the background, uh, just generally, on the Brickhouse line of cigars. J.C. Newman launched Brickhouse, a true Cuban puro cigar made with the finest Havana tobaccos. To honor his family and heritage, J.C. modeled the Brickhouse label after his childhood home, the only Brickhouse in their small Hungarian village. Locals and visitors would gather at the house nightly to eat, drink, smoke, and enjoy each other's company. But with the Great Depression came the end of the brick house. Over 80 years later, grandsons Eric and Bobby Newman relaunched Brick House using the most exquisite Nicaraguan tobaccos. Wrapped in a hearty Havana Subido leaf, every cigar features a rich blend of Nicaraguan tobaccos carefully hand-rolled by master artisans. Aged in the mountains of Nicaragua, every Brick House cigar is a melding of flawless construction, superb quality, and master blend. An overnight sensation, the Brickhouse brand has become one of the most talked about cigars on the internet and a bestseller nationwide. Awards include the Best Bargain Cigar and a place in the top 25 cigars by Cigar Aficionado in addition to numerous blog and website awards. And then further down on the website it says about the Brickhouse Maduros, Brickhouse Maduro is rolled with the same highly acclaimed Brickhouse filler blend and finished with a Brazilian Arapiraca wrapper. Darker and spicier than the original Brickhouse, Brickhouse Maduro offers a full-bodied flavor balanced with rich hints of sweetness. And like I said, the wrapper is Brazilian Arapiraca. The binder and filler are both Nicaraguan. And uh, the sizes are... The Mighty Mighty, which is six and a quarter by sixty, Toro, which is six by fifty-two, and the Robusto, which is five by fifty-four. And you'll find the link to the J.C. Newman website for the Brickhouse cigars in the show notes. And now let's get on to this week's reading of Mike Heiser's book, What Does God Want? We've made it to chapter three which is titled, God Was Betrayed by His Family. The history of biblical Israel was a long, meandering affair filled with both triumph and tragedy. God wasn't surprised. He knew what to expect with people. He'd always known what he was dealing with. Wearing out your welcome. God let Abraham know that the future of his descendants was going to be difficult. He was honest. He told Abraham, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. Genesis 15:13. That was the bad news. God provided some hope. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Genesis 15:14. Sure enough, the descendants of Abraham, now led by his grandson Jacob, whose name God changed to Israel, 
eventually wound up in Egypt under the thumb of Pharaoh. Exodus 1. They'd gone there with God's approval to avoid a famine. Genesis 45, 5-11. Where they went wrong was that they didn't return to the land God had given to them after the famine was over. They stuck around in Egypt way too long. While in Egypt, the Israelite nation grew numerically, so much so that Pharaoh got paranoid about being able to stay in charge of the country. Exodus 1, 8-10. He put them to forced labor and exterminated new babies if they were boys. Exodus 1, 14-16. But God intervened and made them grow even stronger. Exodus 1, 8 through 21. All told, Israel spent four centuries in Egypt under harsh conditions. Eventually, God intervened and preserved the life of a baby boy named Moses. God engineered circumstances so that the baby was raised in Pharaoh's own house, right under his nose. Exodus 2, 1 through 10. Moses led a life of privilege, but one day committed a capital offense murdering a man in a fight that began as a defense of a helpless Israelite. He fled Egypt to escape justice. Moses found a new life in a desert place called Midian. God met him at Mount Sinai in a burning bush, an encounter that would change the history of his people and the world. Exodus 3, 1-15 God sent Moses back to Egypt to confront Pharaoh, he was to demand the release of God's people. God promised to protect Moses and empower him. Exodus 3, 16-22 The rest of the story is one of the most famous in the world. Even if you've never read the Bible, you've probably heard of it or seen one of the movies about it. God sent plagues against Egypt and its gods when Pharaoh refused to let the Israelites go. Exodus chapter 7-12 through 12. God used Moses to force the release of multitudes of Israelites from Egyptian bondage. He parted the Red Sea to save them when the Egyptians decided to chase them into the desert to slaughter them. Exodus 13:17 through Exodus 14. The crossing of the Red Sea is far and away the most spectacular miracle of the Bible. But it wasn't showmanship. It was about preserving a people. God wanted his family. That's the end of that section, the first section of chapter 3 of Mike Heiser's book, What Does God Want? And again, I hope you'll go in the show notes and check the links. Uh, there's a link in there for uh, Mike's author page on Amazon where you can see all of his books. And hopefully you'll pick up some and uh, give them a read. He's a, a great author, great scholar, Ph.D. in uh, bib- biblical languages and just a wealth of information. So. I've learned a lot from him over the years and uh, highly recommend his writings and uh, check out, even check out his uh, Awakening School of Theology, which I'm enrolled enrolled in as well. And uh, until next week, have a great day, have a great cigar, and God bless.